1: of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.
2: This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola.
0: Labs, we made it to the bye week. I can only assume, as we do this podcast, the private jet is on the tarmac, getting ready to take <laughs> off to whatever tropical destination you'll be headed for the next couple of days.
2: Yeah, uh, the Ask and Answer jet, you mean? Yes, it it, uh, it has the logo painted on the, uh, uh, you know, the tail wing there, the tail, whatever that thing is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll be landing in uh, Hamilton, Bermuda, um, shortly. One day, I hope- actually, I'm on. I'm I'm sitting in the uh, in the waiting area there. At, uh, you know, as they're gassing up the yes, jet.
0: at Pittsburgh International. Yes, of course. No, I, no uh,
2: Allegheny County Airport.
0: Oh wow, the the fancy one, of course, for the PJ. Yes, I uh, yeah. unfortunately have never been able to get on the A A jet. I hope as I continue to do this podcast, you'll let me on eventually, though. So uh, I, it keeps me motivated.
2: You're certainly on. You're certainly on the on the list. And let me tell you this: <laughs> you're on the list above Mike Pursuit. So, there's that.
0: Well, I won't tell him that. Hey, you want to start with a quarterback question today? That would be something different, Something different? Something different. Yeah,
2: something different.
0: (laughs) Joe Kilberg from Clark, South Dakota asks, A lot of Mitch Trubisky haters got what they wanted when he was benched at halftime of the game against the Jets, and Kenny Pickett replaced him as the starting quarterback. Pickett is off to a rocky start. Can you provide an example or two of other quarterbacks who had a rough rookie season or a rough first few games and turned out to have a successful career?
2: Um, yeah, Joe, and I'll tell you what—I'll give you a couple of guys who uh, are kind of at the top of the uh, top of the pecking order. Um, uh, one guy—he was four known zero in Super Bowls. You might have heard of him. His name's Terry Bradshaw. He threw five interceptions in his first three games. After the first six games of his rookie season, which was 1970, he had thrown 12. Now, in 1970, regular seasons were only um, 14 games. Right. So Bradshaw, he played 13 of those 14 games. He threw 24 interceptions. Okay, here's another guy you might have heard of him, Peyton Manning.
0: Mm, That rings a bell.
2: Threw eleven interceptions in his first four games, and now when in nineteen ninety eight there were sixteen game seasons, so he finished his rookie season with twenty eight interceptions, and that still is the all time NFL rookie record for interceptions in a season. So, I'm not please. I'm not predicting that Kenny Pickett is going to either be four zero in Super Bowls <laughs> or, um, you know, a guy who. Uh, retires with a lot of the uh, career passing records in the NFL, but um, yeah, getting off to a rocky start is not necessarily a um, an automatic death knell to someone's career.
0: So you dare to say that the sky isn't falling yet? Wow! Uh-huh. No,
2: no, 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 <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. I would never. I would never be do something crazy like that. I mean you know, don't you, don't you have social media?
0: Yes. The sky's always falling. It's 24 seven falling of the sky.
2: Yes. So there you go. That's why I live in a bunker.
0: Paul Luke X from Vienna, Virginia. Last year, Montravius Adams was a bright spot on the defensive line. This year, it seems he doesn't seem as disruptive. Is it attributed to rotations, injuries or something else?
2: Um, okay. Uh, Montrevious Adams, and and I would agree, Uh, I did think he was a bright spot uh, on the defensive line last year. Uh, But the defensive line, uh, the Steelers' defensive line last year, to be kind, was um, not a team strength. You know, Stephon Tuitt and uh, then Tyson Alualu both were out for either the whole year or most of it. And, you know, the Steelers were trolling practice squads and waiver wires uh, you know, looking for help along the defensive line, and um, the practice squad is where they found Montrevius Adams. So, just to give you a little background on him, um, he's played for three teams already in his six NFL seasons. Okay, and so again, no disrespect to him, but three teams in six seasons make you a makes you a journeyman by definition. Um, now, Adams, uh, this he did have a decent year last year. Let me say that. Uh, Adams has missed some time uh, this year, dating back to training camp. And then uh, that, that was, I think, a set him back a little bit, you know, not necessarily uh, in terms of the playbook because he is a nose tackle. And so usually, you know, there aren't a lot of assignments for a nose tackle, uh, you know, get in the way, tackle the ball carrier, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but again, maybe put him back a little bit physically. And then the Steelers signed Larry Joby. And he's a real player. And um, you know, I think that it's fair or I, I believe it's fair to call Ogan Joby the second best defensive lineman on the team easily yes. behind Cam Hayward. And, you know, Tyson Aluala was starting a nose tackling. So that certainly cut into Montrevius Adams' playing time early because, as I said, he missed some time at training camp, didn't play in all the preseason games, that kind of stuff. And then the Steelers added Ogan Joby. So you had Cam Hayward, Ogunjobi, and Tyson Aluwalu as the starting three for when the season opened. But Mike Tallman decided that Aluwalu's play was below the line as a starter, and he moved Adams into that starting spot a couple of weeks ago. So now he's a starter. Um, we're we're going to see now over the rest of this season if he can stay healthy, uh, I would imagine he would stay in that spot, and then um, he'll get some opportunities to show what he can do.
0: All right, that's enough talking about trivial positions. Let's get back to a question about the quarterbacks because my skin crawls if we go too long without it. Steven Katz from Evans Mills, New York. Mitch Trubisky did an outstanding job as a backup for Kenny Pickett after he was concussed in the Bucks game. Do you think that Mitch feels a little more comfortable as a backup than as a starter?
2: Yeah, I don't think there's any question uh, that Mitch Trubisky is more comfortable uh, being number two. Uh than he was being the Steelers starter um, uh, you know it's not like we have long talks about things but I mean I think you can just look at the way he played um, at, during the time he was a starter and in, the, in the, his appearance as a backup in that game against Tampa Bay a couple of weeks ago so um, you know as a starter he looked kind of tentative hesitant to pull the trigger on the ball, you know, when um, either had a favorable personnel matchup, George Pickens against one guy, or, you know, a, an opportunity maybe to take a shot down the field with either, you know, Claypool or Deontay Johnson or Pickens or whoever. Uh, but when he played against went in against Tampa Bay, he didn't he didn't show any of those tendencies. Right. In fact, not only did he not show any of those tendencies, but on that one read option You know, he pulled the ball out of the running back's belly. I mean, that was his decision. That wasn't a, you know, play action, keep the ball, yourself play. That was a, you know, read the situation and do what you think is right play. And that was a big nine-yard game uh, towards the end when the Steelers were just trying to make Tampa Bay burn their timeouts and, you know, kill the clock. And then he also got the first down on the next snap on the um, quarterback sneak, which did in fact kill the game. So, uh, you know, I, I just think that the way you look at him when he played, when he was a starter, and the way you look at it, the way he played against the Buccaneers, that's that's why I'm saying I don't think there's any question that he's more comfortable uh, as a number two guy. Now, you know, there's there's a there's a market for backups, no veteran question. backups, all the time. And if you establish yourself as one of those guys who can prepare himself without a lot of practice reps during the week, and if called upon, go in to a game and you know give your team a representative performance, um, you know help them win maybe specifically or at least uh, not lose the game with your play, you can have a long career in the NFL. You know this guy behind Dan Marino, his name was Don Struck. I think he did that for. 17 or 18 years and you know do the arithmetic on the number of seasons and again he was not the lowest paid guide on those guy on those teams so you can you can uh you know that's that's quite a little um way to go you know and you're not getting the snot beat out of you uh every week either so i think that um you know down the road we'll see how this all works out But down the road, I think that if Mitch Trubisky decided that maybe that was a course that he wanted to pursue in this league, uh, I think the Steelers would be interested in him as a number two quarterback
1: to Kenny Pickett
0: Yeah. I I don't think you can get much better in the uh, backup quarterback market right now than Mitch Trubisky. So I think the Steelers would definitely welcome with open arms, extending that relationship beyond uh, not just next year, but years to come. Ron Taylor from West Point, Indiana. You said Mason Rudolph can become an unrestricted free agent in March, 2023, and you don't expect him to be back next year. When does Mitch Trubisky's contract end? And do you expect him back with the Steelers next year?
2: Okay. Let's start with Rudolph. Um, you know, I, I I do think that Mason Rudolph, because he's third uh, here in Pittsburgh, and I don't really see that changing unless there are injuries. Um, next March, you know, he'll be 27 years old. He will have uh, on his resume, you know, a winning record as a starting quarterback in the NFL regular season. And so I, I think there will be a market for him. I mean, he has conducted himself – professionally this season Um, he has not been a problem uh, not running his mouth he's not a malcontent you know he has accepted these decisions that have been made um, and done what he's what he has been asked and so I think that when you combine that with you know what Mason Rudolph has shown uh, when he has had an opportunity to play he certainly belongs in the league and I think that, again, there are enough teams looking for either um, competition for their starter or someone who can be Don Strzok. You know, we were just talking about that role, you know, a clear number two guy who is valued and is not someone who is going to have to, you know, keep looking over his shoulder every right. year. So that's, you know, that's why I would think that Mitch Trubisky is going to have an opportunity. I think he will get some offers next March when free agency hits. And, you know, based on what his future would look like in Pittsburgh, I think that he's going to explore those. And, hey, I I don't blame him for doing that. Now, as for Mitch Trubisky, his uh, 2023 cap number is going to be like right around $10 million. Now, that might seem like a lot, but when you look at that plus what Kenny Pickett is going to be making, uh, still on his rookie contract, and he'll only be in his second year in the rookie contract, and you cannot, a rookie on his rookie contract, cannot even ask for a contract extension, or he can ask, but teams are not permitted to give rookies a contract extension until they have been three years deep on their rookie contract. So Pickett's locked in for 2023 at whatever number is on his rookie deal. So that's going to be about $14 million on the cap for Trubisky and Pickett next year, which is not bad no, for, not uh, for your number one and number two quarterbacks. So, you know, I, I, I don't know that, you know, the Steelers are going to necessarily, um, give Trubisky, you know, his release, um, especially if Mason Rudolph leaves as an unrestricted free agent, which he had, he can do, and they're certainly not going to put the franchise tag on him. Right. So the Steelers really will lose all control over Mason Rudolph uh, March 2023. So um, I think that, yes, I expect Mitch Trubisky to back with the Steelers next year. And as I said to Stephen, um, in response to Steven's question, I do think, That, you know, moving forward, if he's interested, Trubisky, I mean, in a number two job, uh, the Steelers would be interested in seeing what they could do to make that happen.
0: Wade Ages from Dallas, Texas, asks, the professional careers of Kendrick Green and Kevin Dotson have been disappointing to date, given their performance and awards in college. I noticed that Kendrick played left guard in college, but the Steelers drafted him as a center and that Kevin played right guard in college, but the Steelers drafted him as left guard is it a common practice for the Steelers to change the positions of their draftees? And if so, how successful has that practice been?
2: Okay. There's two kinds of position switches here, kind of in Wade's question. Um, You know, moving a guard from the left side to the right side is really not that big a deal because if you're going to have an NFL career uh, and you're a guard, you better be able to play both sides. Um, If you're a tackle, I understand that, you know, left tackle, uh, is significantly different uh, than right tackle in a lot of teams' offenses, and in, in, in a lot of ways in the pass protection. But if you're gonna if you're gonna have a long career, you know, in a pinch, you better be able to move over to the other side because there's stuff that happens in games that you know teams get in a pinch, and that that kind of versatility is needed. Okay, now the other kind of position switches, you know guard to center, center to guard. Those are a little different. Right. Um, but I will give you a couple of guys you might have heard of again uh, who have made that switch and done pretty well with it. Uh, moving backwards from um, you know, now, the first guy is Dermonte Dawson. He was exclusively a guard in college. He played some center in high school. But once he got to Kentucky, he was a guard. The Steelers drafted him as a guard uh, and fully anticipated him being a guard because Dawson was a second-round pick, and then in the same draft on the third round, the Steelers picked a center from Notre Dame named Chuck Lanza. So the idea at the time was, or the belief at the time was, Dawson is your guard, Lanza is your center. Um, now, Chuck, for Noel, who was the coach at the time for some reason, never took a liking to Lanza, just did not think he could play, um, and Lanza wasn't very long on the Steelers' team, and then he, he was out of the league. So, Noel was obviously right. Uh, Dawson's rookie season, he played five games, all of them at guard. Then he injured a knee, and he was done for the year. It was the next season that Dawson uh, became a center, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So, that's how that one worked. Another guy who played some guard in college and for the Steelers when his career started, you might have heard of him too, his name was Webster. Mike I think was his first name yeah oh, that's right Mike, Mike Webster yeah um, and he played guard for the Steelers you know early in his career uh, because when he was drafted the Steelers had two centers Ray Mansfield and Jim Clack and so you know Webster appeared in every game um, he played some guard he played some center um, but you know he was just trying to get on the field and then uh, Mansfield retired. Uh, after the 76 season and clack was gone i believe before that and webster took over at center and um he's in the hall of fame too
0: so you're telling me both of those worked out pretty well for the steelers then
2: yeah yeah (laughs) not all not everyone does not always but you wanted examples of um you know wade asked for examples of um you know the steelers making that move there's those examples.
0: And our final question today comes from CJ Pohala from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My understanding is that Coach Mike Tomlin has a major, if not deciding, role in the drafting process. If so, it appears from my perspective that the current woeful state of the team is simply due to an inconsistent, incorrect judgment of talent. Am I, at minimum, partially accurate?
2: Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Here's the deal. Uh, this is, yes, Mike Tomlin has a major role in the drafting process. So did Bill Cower, so did Chuck Knoll. That was the business plan that Dan Rooney put together uh, back in the 60s when the Steelers got rid of Buddy Parker who hated draft picks and traded them all. And the Steelers decided that um, the way to build your roster was through the draft. So Chuck Knoll was hired because he believed that as well. Bill Nunn was hired because he knew a thing or two about scouting. And um, the rest is history. So, you know, this is not a change. Um, you know, we can go back to um, 1972 72 draft. It was a little bit of an argument over the number one pick. Uh, Chuck Noll liked Robert Newhouse, Art Rooney Jr., uh, and none liked Franco Harris. So, you know the way that worked was, um, if Noel put his foot down and said, "No, we're taking this guy," that's who they would have taken. Right. But you know, Noll was reasonable. With you know, he was a benevolent emperor, I guess is the way <laughs> you would describe it. And, um, you know, they convinced him that a good big man is better than a good small man, which, you know, there was a size difference between Newhouse and Franco. Okay, Um, you want to complain about Gabe Rivera over Dan Marino? Well, that was Noel. Null decided at the time that the way that the Steelers originally built their team, their championship teams, was with... Uh, drafting defense, making defense a priority. Joe Green was the first pick. So, Noel's belief was, we're going to replicate that and do that again. Gabe Rivera over Dan Marino. Okay. Um, 2000 draft, Bill Cowher. Uh, the Steelers were looking for a quarterback. Fifth round, 2000 draft. Bill Cowher like T. Martin over Tom Brady. There you go. Hmm. Um, so um, again, I mean I'm not pointing fingers at Noel and Cower right. and saying you know criticizing them for things that they did because they also did a lot of things right. but that's the Steelers business model. You know the coaches, the coach is the, the prime the primary voice. And if you want someone else, then your job is to, Convince the coach or make him see the merit of your argument or a different argument and Hopefully get him to come around to your way of thinking 2004 is the same way You know Bill Cowher was all in on Sean Andrews instead of Ben Roethlisberger You know Dan Rooney is the one in the room who? You know during the 15 minutes between picks. That's what you had in the first round in those days during the 15 minutes between picks, you know, he was in the room and he started talking to some of the scouts and personnel people. He said, you know, we have time. We don't have to turn the card in. Now let's talk about this quarterback. Who's at the top of this board here. So he's asking, and they started talking and then, um, you know, it came around. I don't, I don't know exactly, but Bill Cowher came to agree and the Steelers got Roethlisberger. So, um, that's the way the Steelers draft room works. Uh, it's not a, ever a, you know, we're taking this guy. No one has a um, final say, so to speak. But in my experience and what I have come to understand is if the head coach is vehemently in favor or opposed to someone, mm, um, that's probably the direction that the team is going to go.
0: Well, Labs, I don't want to keep the pilots waiting too much longer, and I don't want your frozen daiquiri to start to melt. So let's end this (laughs) thing, and you can get out there on your private island for your bye week.
2: Okay, sounds good. (laughs) And um, just in case you were wondering, uh, it has no cell service, so leave me alone. I'll make
0: out of office. I got it. (laughs) Loud and clear. Right. He's Bob Labriola. I'm Tom Offerman. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen. Get your question into Labs now. We will be back again next week with another edition of the Asked and Answered podcast.
1: Hey guys, back to the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves so we could go surfing. oh yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool.
0: I'm in. Ah,
1: ski slopes. Let's
0: do it. Um, tenor girl, go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait.